Hey guys, welcome to episode 65 of the Williams Project podcast. Now today's episode is all about being the internal optimist, but always being prepared for the unexpected. So let's get into it. So welcome back guys, we hope your week started off well, it's Monday afternoon and Firstly, just a a small apology that we've been a little bit slack. We've been absent from this podcast for probably about, I don't know, three to five weeks. Um, Not very acceptable. Sorry, team. It's not really an excuse. I was going to give you guys a reason, but there is really no good one. It could have been pretty easy for Matt and I to sit down and talk shit for 20 minutes. Um, Well, there is a reason, right? We do this because we love it. We do it to add value for you. Um, But also, we make no money from this. Um, So we make money from building and selling houses. We run a business. And just every now and again, business takes priority. Uh, But we do love this, and we want to make sure we're providing value to you. Yeah, so as far as a recap on the last three to five weeks, the the market's been phenomenal. Like We did our best ever month of sales in the history of the company last month, which was 62 sales. Uh, we had done 63 sales before that, but our dollar value was our highest sales ever. Yeah, so it was um, $33.5 million of sales in one month. So yeah. that's not, you hear lots of other companies quoting sales, that is unconditional deposit received actual sales. Amazing month. The team did a great job. We're, we're very, very lucky. We have a great team. And this month's actually looking like it'll be the same, if not better. I think we're sitting on about 37 sales for the month, and it's the, I don't actually know what date it is, but it was about the 12th or 13th. The 14th. That was pretty close. Yeah. So bring on another month of 65. Yeah, well, it's... It, and then what happens is you get good problems, you know what I mean? So trying to keep up with the monster that we've created, you need more stock, more money, um, more processes, more systems, more people. Um, it's one of the best parts of business is building the infrastructure around the child you've made, which is your business. Yeah, getting it to that next stage of growth. See, like we've, um, we've bought more land, employed some more people, put more marketing money out there, done more events. It's positive. We're just sort of forgot about the podcast for a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things about us, guys. We do the work. Like for us to get those sales, the quantity of marketing spend, phone calls, meetings, appointments, events, We there is a lot of work behind each sale. And we have a team that's happy to do the work, someone that's going to roll up their sleeves and get it done. Yeah, we're not, a, um, we're not like an electronic store. Someone walks in, picks it off the shelf, Pay waves and goes. It's um, it is a process, guys, but um, that's why we love it. So anyway, on to today's topic. It's it's more around. We actually had a discussion the other day around why property developers fail, and it's always because as developers, and not even just developers, just as business women, business men, like everyone that sort of got that drive to go to the next stage in their life, they sort of are the internal optimist. Like no one's going to get there from being internally negative going, it's not going to work, it's going to fail. So generally there's going to be a predisposition that they're an optimistic person. They sort of go, I've got this big goal and I plan to get there. But the real danger with that is, and a lot of you guys listening to us know this is the case, is it never quite pans out how you think. And just some businesses go through those rough times and they're prepared. Some people go, well, some businesses go through the rough times, they're not prepared, but they manage to like, sort of scatter around and get through it the Scrap other side. their way through. And then some people go through the rough times, they're ill-prepared and they go broke. 
That's and, terrible. And going broke is really bad, guys, because it normally means there's a whole lot of customers you've let down, you've lost people's money. There's a real nasty side to failing that we don't wish upon anyone. And that's actually one of the main reasons we make this podcast is we don't want you to fail. We don't want you to lose money. We don't want you to let down people. We don't want you to lose investors' money. Winning is important. Winning is healthy. Yeah, so I suppose let's just... Should Let's we, just define about what internal optimism is. Like, yeah. So like what's the good side of it, I should say, before we talk about what the, the downfall is. Oh, look, is. the good side is the power of the spoken word, right? You know this to be true. If you say you're going to do something, you have a clear plan, you have a clear goal, you say it to yourself every day, you write it down every day, you make sure your actions are shaped around achieving that goal. There's so many powerful and amazing things that happen from that right so make sure you are positive no one who you guys all know of one mate right who's negative about everything that is it eeyore <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. the eeyore of the friend group there's always one person and they do your head and i've actually cut those people out of my life just because they drive me up the wall so you don't want to be negative because because it's just not a nice way to live it's not a nice way to be you don't get attracted to good people but we call it the eat my lunch discussion. Who's going to eat my lunch? How are they going to get it? Who's going to take me down? Or the other way to think about it is the pinata test. You put your business or your systems or your processes or your sales, your marketing, your product. A product is a very good one to do it on. You put your product on the table and everyone tries to beat it up. Just beat the shit out of it. You throw all the problems in the world at it and you see if the product can survive. And we do that constantly. We would probably do a pinata test once a week. And it's not just a pinata test on the business, it's actually every stage of the business. Every system, every process. Let's go over marketing. All right, we do Facebook for most of it. What if Facebook goes broke? What if Facebook leads break? What happens then? What our delivery? What happens if this trade goes bust or that supplier goes away or they can't get the appliances from this factory? Or, Or a staff member. How's this person going to handle a um, retired widow? Will their personality fit with them? Okay, no, there, there's a this particular salesperson is going to have a flaw in this part of their business. How do we make sure we address that and train them so they can handle that? And also, Pinatites isn't necessarily like you can actually expose really basic flaws just by talking about it. Just a good way to practice is. What if, insert staff member's name here, gets hit off his bike on the way to work, what does the business look like in three months' time? Yeah, that's a scary discussion to have Um, because lots of businesses rely on a few key people and that's a really, the contingency of personnel discussions, massive. But one of the main, my opinion, one of the main things that gets people is cash. You need, and now profitability and cash is very different right you need profitability if you're not making a profit you shouldn't be in business but you need cash and that's one thing we did really well because we made our own fund so we sit on a very high cash position and that makes the business incredibly safe so you need each each if if you're in business you need to be thinking how much cash do i have on hand what is the worst case scenario that would happen how much cash would that worst case scenario need and how do I make sure I have that cash? Yeah, I suppose it's like um, it's like people say, oh, you should have X months of overhead aside in your bank account. And like COVID's a good example. If you have a small scale business or it might be a car wash or a cafe or a bar or a restaurant, if you can't trade or you just something happens and you can't make sales counts or shut you down or your main head chef's crook for six weeks or whatever, 
you actually need that war chest and that comes around to being the you can still be optimistic but you still need to be prepared for the unexpected because no one goes broke because everything went their way yeah and most people say they need three months worth of overhead i reckon the minimum's a year you're only on a year and a buffer yeah i think my overhead's this so i'll put that aside for a year but let's just add another 30 40 50 percent on top just in case there's like a real problem or I've got bills I didn't quite factor in or I still want to take a salary for that year. Like you do just need, like I said, you just need a fucking lot of cash. Yeah. And and let's just talk about another thing. We, look, I see this all the time. People have one good month in business or they get a bonus or they get a pay increase and then people go take on debt or assets or things that they just don't need. Like if you're buying a luxury car, you should not be having debt. You need to be buying that with cash. If you want to buy a watch, if you want to buy these things, do it with cash. It just doesn't make sense to take on debt for personal luxuries. Well, I think we've touched on it before. It should really be if you can't afford to buy two with cash. Don't buy one. Don't buy one. And it's not you can buy two, but you've now got $0 left. It should be I can buy two, and I'm a little bit aggrieved at how expensive buying two was, but I can still do it. Yeah, and look, there's people listening who are in the early stage of their business career or early stage of their career, and they're going, how could I ever have that much cash? If you work hard and you do the right thing for 10 years, I promise you, you'll get there, right? So just like remember, Blair and I, we owned a business for seven years before we started making money. And also, it's one of those things where if you do make proper say- money, we made, we made money every year, but it was like a salary. And like, as far as when you're making these, I wouldn't say dumb purchases because you got to enjoy your life and have a nice car and holiday and buy nice things for yourself and your partner and family. But it's also, that's going to come at an opportunity cost. If you're ripping up, I don't know, 50 grand, 100 grand, a million dollars a year, depending on what stage you're in, that's now capital that's not in your business. And that's now capital that you're not able to grow yourself with, get a return on. And if you extrapolate that over a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year career... Compounding. Compounding, that difference would just be sickening. Yeah. Like, you, I've got 100K, I can either buy a car which will go down 20% a year or put 100K in my business, leverage that four times on, in our example, property. I can now do $400,000 worth of development at X percent return over 10 years compounding. It's like... When you have that discussion with yourself, you just about don't want to buy anything even though you can afford it. Yeah. And you really want to, if you think you're ready to start doing those luxury purchases, I always think you should do it a year later. Like Blair and I had a goal to buy sports cars. I think it was year three was our goal. We wanted to buy a $100,000 sports car each yeah, on year three. On. And we didn't buy luxury cars till year seven or eight. Yeah. You know what I we mean? We didn't spend like two or three times as much as we were going to but yeah we definitely prolonged the purchase yeah and all, but also that's also was what we're talking about we went through one of that periods of the unexpected happen happened we weren't ill prepared but we definitely weren't prepared so we had that little like the rock the boat we sort of put a hole in the bottom of it water started coming in and we were fortunate enough to be able to bail it out patch the hole and carry on no, but we it, weren't fortunate enough. We worked really, really hard and we won. Oh, well, definitely. Like, yes, we there's luck involved in every part of business, guys, but we did the work. Yeah, we bailed the water. Yeah, yeah. by hand, <laughs> with, our, with our hands, with no straw. bucket. With, yeah. <laughs> but so, um, it's one of those things where once you go through that, it's actually, we've touched on this before, it's like the worst thing you can have in business is the golden touch. You try one thing, it goes really, really well, nothing goes wrong, you get ambitious, 
try another thing, another thing, and then the fourth thing comes along, you've got three more zeros on the end of it because you think you're a hot shot, then the boat gets rocked and you go broke. I see this the most risk as far as professions go. I see the most risk with this with like surgeons, lawyers, accountants, because you've worked in one profession, right? You've made a lot of money. You've done really well. You're a top of your field. You're doing great. You've got staff. You're a badass. You do, say, a property deal. You make money. You're like, God, I'm awesome. You do another property deal. You make money. Then you enter into a huge property deal and life kicks your teeth in. I've seen that happen so many times and you just got to be careful of the golden touch. You got to be careful when you just win so much that you you can't even forget the fundamentals. Yeah. Like we're just reviewing a system at the moment where we're not going to do a project that's more than 15% of our work in progress. You know what I mean? Because there's so many developers who have one big bad project that sinks them. So if we have a system in place like that where um, our work in progress is 400 houses so we can never do a, a deal bigger than 60, that ca- caps the business liability on a deal-by-deal basis. How yeah. good. How good. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about another example, and this is something I tell to myself, if not every day, every week, and I want you to picture something. I want you to hold your hands in front of your face and I want you to squeeze it into a tight ball. So you're looking at the front of your hand and it's squeezed into a fist. And now look at it really closely and squeeze it really hard and now open your hand. That is how quickly you can be replaced, your business can be replaced, your partner could leave you, you could be made redundant if you're not someone that does the work every day. The second you think you've got it perfect, the second you think you're on top of the world, the second you stop growing and trying and evolving and working hard, someone will come behind you and they will take it from you. And that's what we try to share to the team. Like Matt did that speech in the sales meeting. We actually thought it'd be this big, um, can't remember the word, physiological? Oh, um, motivational. Let's go with motivational. Motivational, far (laughs) easier to say. (laughs) Big motivational spell, we're all important, we're all soul searching, and next thing that's like, this is how easy we can just all be let go. But it's true. <laughs> but that's that's what the thing is, like we encourage the guys, it's like if you've had a really good month of sales or you've done your job really well or got that consent out or got that job delivered in quickly, from that next day or depending on like sales, we track it monthly, you're back to zero. Like you're literally, you're right back to where you started a month ago. You're not Mr. High and Mighty number one. You're literally back to zero. And that's the way it should be. If anything, you're starting behind because now there's an expectation you're going to be number one again and the only way you can go is down. And look, we're not saying that you don't have an intrinsic value, right? If you've worked hard, you've trained yourself, you've educated yourself, you've done great things, yeah, sure, you've got some intrinsic value. But you shouldn't think of it that way. You should never think, I've done this and now I'm really clever. Yeah, or like, I've done this, I'll celebrate my success for the next three months. Or some people for years. Yeah, some people do like... Think one, of all those one-hit wonder artists. Yeah, or it's the whole like you do a real good month of sales, then go, I'm going to go away for a month. You go away for a month, have a good time, lose all your momentum, all your pipeline, then you take two, three months to get back up to where you are. And then you have a hit in your mo- your momentum, your mojo, you start doubting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely not good. Okay, so, right, what else do we want to discuss? Well, I suppose the main topic is how, how do you prepare for the unexpected? I think... The, how, do you, how do you bridge the gap between not losing your optimism and what you're trying to do 
but also preparing for the unexpected. Sorry, guys. My mother just came in and made me lose my train of thought. We need like a recording and process on on air. There is actually a lock on the door. We could just lock ourselves in here. It really um, throws you off your game. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay, let's think of three. What's the happy median? How do you be optimistic but still be cautiously prepared for the bad stuff? Okay, first is cash. You need to make sure your business or yourself personally, this isn't just businesses, this is people. You want to think of what is the worst case scenario I could face? How much cash would I need? And what are the steps I'm going to take to make sure I have that cash? I'm not sure about your opinion. I think it's at least a year with a buffer. Yeah, agreed. Go if the tap turns off for a year in my life and I need to scratch around for a year to find myself, that's probably what I'd allow for. And if, if you, for some of you guys thinking that that's just a ridiculous amount of money and you can never save it, don't think that because thousands of people do it every day. If you set a goal, you're able to do it. And also what we say is like, one, we work so hard for so long and we're responsible for so many people directly and indirectly, it's too irresponsible to wager the company on one project. Oh, if there's a absolutely. good deal and the money's not there to buy it, you'd be able to let it go don't be emotionally attached because another deal that will come around when you are in a position to buy. There is always another deal, like, guys. Don't, don't live and die by one deal. Yeah, it's like don't risk your whole business, your whole personal life, family life on one deal that appears to be good if you're not ready to do it. And look, there's been lots of people who have bet the farm and won, and I respect that absolutely, and it's absolutely amazing, but... You, Blair and I are actually very, very conservative. We trade in a very conservative way. It looks like we're aggressive um, because Williams Corporation has grown very fast, but our rules and systems and processes are extremely strict and we never bet the farm and we never buy a deal we can't afford to buy. But it's also a relative, like if you're a young buck and you've got no dependents and no bills, you can be every dollar in your bank account, it doesn't really matter. And we so, did that once. Yeah. So actually, yeah. So it's like, but it's more, especially when you've got a family, when you've got employees, when you've got contractors that rely on you. And, and other people's not, money. Yeah. And it's not just them, it's their wives, it's their husbands, it's their children, it's the charities they give to, it's the things they support. When you realise that you could be responsible for 5,000 people, you have to take that shit really seriously. Absolutely. So the second thing is the pinata test. What am I doing? Where are the problems and how do I patch them? Take every single part of your life, your business, your relationship, everything and go, right, where are the flaws? What can I patch? How do I make it better? How do I strengthen it? making sure you're constantly improving every part of yourself, your life, all of those things. And actually all these things help you be a better internal optimist. If you know you've got money aside for a bad day, if you know you've beaten the shit out of your business systems to make sure they're robust, then you can actually be quite ambitious. You set yourself operating rules, then you can just go for gold because you've actually taken the time to stop, reflect, put systems and processes in place to protect you as sort of your safeguard, your buffer, and then you can go do what you want. But you've got to do those steps first before you just run out and just go for gold. And that links in well with my, my fist example of you can always be replaced, right? Make sure you have that in your mind while you're doing the pinata test. Yeah. Think of, think of Blockbuster, you know what I mean? Once upon a time, they were just so dominant. And now, like, I don't, there's probably none. Or even like Bebo. Bebo, yeah. I'm sure Bebo didn't go, oh, we're going to go broke one day. Agreed. Co- um, Kodak. Kodak. Kodak, yeah. Yeah. 
Like all Kodak these things. used to be one of the most valuable companies in the world. Yeah, it's amazing. What's our third example? Where do we wrap it up, Blair? I'm hoping your brain can pull something. Yeah, where do we wrap it up? I suppose it's just you have to really like what you do, and it sounds really cliche, but as far as there's no, if you're being optimistic about something that you're not passionate about, you won't take it seriously enough, you won't think anything can go wrong, and you'll just get killed. Yeah, agreed. Well when said. you take it seriously and pitch yourself doing the same thing for the next 50 years, it'll give you that maturity to go through the what can fuck me. To quote Grant Cardone, success needs to be your duty, your ethical obligation to society. Yeah. yeah. I think once you accept that, accept you're going to be doing one thing for a hell of a long time, then you're mature enough to have the conversations about how much money do I need if the tap turns off for you? Okay, I'm not there yet. That's okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go on holiday this year. I'm not going to buy that car. It's going to take me three years longer than I first thought before I listened to this podcast. And that really fucks me off and upset me. But I'm just going to park that and get to where I want this business to be. If you told us at 17 that it would take us, wait, 17, we didn't really get there till about. Those are like eight years, seven, eight years. eight years. If you told me when I started a business it would take me eight years to get there, I would have laughed at you and said, maybe other people, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it does. It takes a long time. And the, well, not the best things. It actually sucks. There is no way to cheat the time. You can't buy your way out of it. You can't scale your way out of it. You can't read a book out of it. Just there is no way to speed up that process. Yeah. No matter how clever you think you are, just... Once you've done it, some for people 10 are years. more clever than us. There is the odd person. Oh, yeah, like you can do it faster, but there's still probably a base time period. Yeah, agree. And this is where I worry about businesses that have an idea and then go try to raise a heap of money to start the business. It's like, well, hold on a minute. You haven't gone through the process. Like the way to think of money, money backs competency, right? So at any one time, Williams Corporation, we might control, say, $100 million, which has grown over our $10 million, uh, over our 10-year career slowly. And as our competency increased, so did the amount of capital we control. Um, and that's where I just worry about these businesses that have an idea, they think they know what they're doing, they raise a heap of money because they haven't gone through that process, those steps that you need to go through to control the money. Yeah, and that's why that tech world I find quite scary. Um, I just think that there's a yeah. lot of businesses that have some pain coming. Well, I was talking to someone. It's like, oh, why don't you turn a profit? And they're like, oh, if we turn a profit, then all of a sudden it'll affect our EBIT valuation. But if we don't make a profit, then we can get a higher valuation because of the perceived potential profit that so the business scary. might make. So scary. Like, How does that even make sense? It's so scary. And the answer is it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. If, if it's long, boring, repetitive, and simple, you're on track to be rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with highs and lows amongst that. But yeah. I think, yeah, Matt touched on a good point. Like, until you have a good product, have a good margin, have good systems and processes, there is no need to go raise capital. Yeah, agreed. Because you can, most spins, you can test it on the most tiny, tiny scale with whatever's in your own bank account. You can make a website with a fake product that you haven't even built and a credit card payment system that doesn't even work and just see if people want your product. Yeah. There's well, a lot of businesses go, I'm going to go raise $5, $10 million from venture capitalist firms, then I'm going to R&D the product, make it, market it, 
then I'll try sell it. And the thing is, like, we've done a whole podcast about this, how to start a business with no money. If you love what you do, you're happy to call your first round of customers, do it for them at cost to prove you can do it. You can start your business and you can say, hey, look, I'm going to do this for you at cost, but I need you to pay me up front because I don't have the capital to make this happen. And if you truly love what you do, you'll go through those punishing phone calls. You'll find those early adopters, those customers that are willing to back you. You'll do what you love doing for free to prove you can do it and to earn the track record so you can then do it for a profit. Yeah. But I suppose in summary, guys, be optimistic, but be prepared for the bad stuff. Hold a year of cash plus a buffer. Beat the shit out of every single business process. Pretend that Google is coming into your industry tomorrow to take on exactly your business, exactly what you do, going after exactly your customers and go, what does my business look like if this happens? Does that make you scared Google's coming after you or do you know you have so much meta knowledge that you'll fuck them up? Yeah, you want to fuck them up. Right, guys, we appreciate you. As you know, we do this for free. We just have one request of payment, but only do it if you feel you got value from this podcast. Share it with one like-minded friend. We love you. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening.